We're going to start in the Word this morning in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool does not try to understand, but delights in expressing his own opinions. That is America. Proverbs 18, 2. America. That's what it says. You look it up, it'll say that. America. A fool does not try to understand, just wants to say what he or she thinks. That is American culture. That is the American media. That is Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and talk shows and polls and surveys and the comments section of everything. It's just fools yelling at each other, trying to out-talk the other one. Sharing our opinion, particularly critical opinions, is rampant in American culture, and it is rampant in the church. We love to share our opinion about the boss in the break room and the teacher or the professor or the preacher or the school board or the family drama. We love to share our opinion. Solomon, all through Proverbs, says the fool does this and the fool does this and the fool doesn't do that. He creates this character called the fool, and then he says everything that this, that's foolish. And, but we've got to be careful that we don't read it well okay, yeah, the foolish person does that, but I'm not a fool, so my opinion counts. No, you read it backward. If you delight in expressing your own opinion, you become the fool. So it's to be read both ways. Yes, the foolish person does this, but anyone who does this is a fool. We love to express our opinions about Joel Osteen and Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Benny Hinn and Bill Johnson and your sister-in-law It's everywhere. Titus 3.2 says, speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. Does that really include Governor Brown? But be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Psalm 1.1 says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. If you know the rest of the psalm, you know to go on, it says positive things that the blessed person does. But here's what the blessed person does not do. The person who walks in the blessing of God does not listen to the advice or the thoughts of wicked people. They don't stand in the way or go along with sinners, and they do not mock anyone. Mocking is a time-honored American tradition. In our day, it's memes on Facebook and Twitter and in the, in the past it's political cartoons and newspapers and it's just everywhere. It's just we are a nation of fools because we love our freedom of speech and it's used to just ruthlessly mock the current president or the past one or this preacher or that or, or a family member or a co-worker or the boss. I saw a joke getting passed around this week that uh, Joel Osteen looks like Martin Short pretending to be Tim Allen. <laughs> it may be true, and it may be harmlessly funny, but what good does it do to make fun of Joel Osteen? I don't listen to him. I've never gotten anything out of his preaching, but it doesn't do any good to mock anybody. Oral Roberts University, if you don't know who Oral Roberts is, in the 50s and 60s, he was a faith healer who had crusades and did faith healing. And uh, 
then eventually he started in Tulsa, Oklahoma, started a university. And this is the entrance to the university, these, pra- these famous bronze praying hands. And uh, I was in a choir in college, and we were on tour, and we went to Tulsa. Uh, we were at a Christian college in a school that denied faith and healing and miracles and the activity of the Holy Spirit, and they mocked it. And so our choir professor saw fit to tell the bus driver with our entire choir to drive to the praying hands at the entrance of Or Roberts University, and we drove and we parked next to these hands, and he, and he told us, Oral Roberts used such and such many thousands of dollars of his donated money to build this completely worthless statue, and all those hands do is just sit there, except that one time they flew a helicopter over it and dropped a bag of money, and they went, and they grabbed it, and everybody just laughed, except me. I was told when I was growing up that Oral Roberts was a crook, that he planted people in his audiences to jump out of wheelchairs and fake healings. But I knew that it was completely pointless and even really wrong to go drive out of our way to his university to make fun of him. And my professor, my choir director, lost all my respect at that moment. Even though I didn't trust Oral Roberts, I thought he was a fraud, it's just pointless and immature. So you can go to YouTube and you can all day long, you can find videos that mock Benny Hinn and Bill Johnson, and Stephen Furtick, and Joel Osteen, and Kenneth Copeland. And you can waste a lot of time looking at memes, and finding jokes, and quotes. And Before I go any further, I'll just say, I identify with that. When Sarah and I were first married, she had some Kenneth Copeland books, and I didn't like him. We were packing to move from, or from Arkansas to Oregon, the summer of 99, and I packed all her books in a box, and there was some that didn't, well, they weren't all going to fit, so I just made sure that the Kenneth Copeland books didn't fit in the box, and I threw them away, and I didn't tell her or ask her. I was told as a kid that Benny Hinn and Oral Roberts and all the faith healers were frauds, and that that doesn't happen today, and they're just stealing people's money, and like I said, I've, I've never gotten a thing out of Joel Osteen's preaching or Stephen Furtick's preaching. I think... Benny Hinn's golden TV sets were gaudy. I've seen some really weird stuff at Bethel that I wouldn't let go on here at our church. But so what? So what? I refuse to participate in mocking these people. because, And I refuse to listen to their critics, and I will not agree with you if you criticize them. Because not only does my opinion not matter, I don't have a right to an opinion. Because I'm not their boss. Jesus is. The last time I was at Bethel years ago, I had a bad experience and I was disturbed by something that happened to me. I went out in my vehicle and I was just going to drive off and come home. And the Lord arrested me in my car. Like, I, I don't mean I physically couldn't move and I don't mean I heard a voice with my ears, but the Lord told me, you will not leave this parking lot until you can bless this place. I was, I was mad. I was upset. I was very bothered. Um, but I knew that the Lord was serious. I couldn't just fake some prayer and leave. So I sat there for a half an hour in my car, working through my offense until I could honestly bless 
Bethel. And I'm really glad I did because I left with a clean heart and the thing I was upset about didn't amount to anything anyway. But in the moment it mattered. Um, but it doesn't now at all. And I honestly can bless Bill Johnson and Bethel, and I do. So that was years ago, but six months ago, I'm here in the dark in this room praying late at night. And I'm praying for healing for some of you. I'm praying for revival for our church. I'm praying for salvation for our valley. Like, God, send it. Send the fire. Send the rain. Send the spirit. Send revival. Send salvation. Send miracles and healing. And God interrupted my prayer. How rude. <laughs> you know, usually when I pray, I don't, I don't hear much back from God most of the time. This time, I knew I did. And again, I don't mean I heard an audible voice. I just knew that I knew that God had just spoken to me in my heart. And he totally interrupted what I was praying for. And he said, repent of judging Benny Hinn right now. Like, well, God, I thought I had. Because I was raised in a church, didn't believe in any of that. All that's fraud. All that's just money. But Sarah, when we were dating in, in our early marriage, she, I knew that she highly honored Benny Hinn. Um, some portion of the physical manifestation of her Holy Spirit baptism, yes, was reading his book, Good Morning Holy Spirit, on an airplane, and snot and tears everywhere on the plane, and every, you know, people looking at her, and, but she was moved by God, and I knew that she, that she honored him, and I didn't trust him, I didn't know what was up, I just, I didn't like his voice, I didn't like his mannerisms, and, and things, and, and years ago, a long time ago, uh, more than 15 years ago, I guess, we went to see him at the Rose Garden, and uh, at that point, you know, she needs healing, she's in pain, and we'd been to natural stuff, and doctors, and uh, dentists, and prayer rooms, and healing rooms, and we just went to Benny Hinn, and, and I, I, at that point, I'm, okay, I'm all right going in, you know, um, but I just, I have question marks, I don't know, I know Sarah loves him, and honors him, and trusts him, and but we walking into the Rose Garden, and there's guys with their signs out there. Benny Hinn is a false teacher. He's a false prophet. You're all damned. And, and, and I was like, you guys are idiots. But I didn't really, I was not open to what was going to happen in the room, in the auditorium. I did not know. Well, so worship is happening before he comes out, and it was, I mean, it just blew the roof off the place. It was phenomenal. And then Benny Hinn came out on the stage, and he's doing his thing, where he throws his arm, and people are falling down, and and it is this and that, and Sarah and I are up in the nosebleed section, about as far from the stage as you could get, and, and he's like, and you up there, whoo, does this, and every single person in the section falls down except for me. Sarah fell down right beside me, just collapses, and uh, she got up healed. She was, she was healed. I did not fall down, but I felt it. I'm like, it was like a standing in the surf and a wave went over me. Like, I, I felt that. It is real. Like, oh God, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I felt that. And I'm not here to imagine something. I'm not here looking for something to happen. I'm here to critique and see what's going to happen. And, and, and Sarah's like, bam. Everybody around me. I'm, looking, I'm literally the only one standing around. So... So I repented, and, and I have honored many hens since then, along with Sarah. But six months ago, the Lord says, you repent of judging many hens. Like, well, God, I thought I had. But obviously I haven't, so I got on my face. Like, God, I am sorry that I judged your servant. I'm not his boss. 
You are. He does not answer to me. He answers to you. The money and the lavish stuff and what, that's not my question to answer. It's yours. I don't know. It's not my business. I'm, I have no right to an opinion. So that took 30 seconds, 60 seconds. I don't know. I, I got it out. And God, God said, repent of judging Oral Roberts right now. I'm like, I'm not done, huh? Okay. So I like, I don't remember ever judging Oral Roberts. I remember my mom specifically telling me about him, that he was a crook. Um, but I don't remember ever thinking, I'm like, God, don't you remember when we were on the choir bus? I, I specifically did not like what my choir director did. It didn't matter. You do, not, you do not judge him. Like, okay, so I got that dealt with. Next, it was repent of judging Bill Johnson. Like, How many of these are we going to do, Lord? I thought, I thought I had. Like, you know that I blessed him years ago in the parking lot. I did. I honestly got to a place where I could have peace. And I'm okay. I, I had stuff to deal with, I guess. So, so I repent. And the Lord, again, I'm not hearing a voice, but these, this... It's the Lord speaking to me inside. He says, you were praying for healing. You were praying for miracles, but you have judged my servants who I sent to do that, and it's blocking your access to your own prayers, the answer to your own prayers, because you judged my servants. I'm here to tell you in Jesus' name this morning that your own answer to your own prayer is getting blocked by God because you've judged the people he sent. Everybody wants to know about spiritual warfare and opposition and what's the, what's the spiritual blockage and what's the open heaven and what's the atmosphere and what's the regional spirit. Most of what's blocked in your life is God doing it because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The spirit that's resisting you is Yahweh. So I had to go through a list of people and then... The Lord, same night, same prayer, same dark room here. I'm on my face, eating carpet, like, oh, God. This fear of the Lord was on me. I was in terror, not because he was going to strike me with lightning, but I just saw how wicked I had been to even have an opinion about these people. And he brought John 17 to mind. Lord, make them one as you and I are one. Oh, God, make me one with Benny Hinn. Lord, make me one with Bill Johnson. Make me one with Oral Roberts. Lord, make me one with Mike Bickle. Make me one. And, and then I went to the people who, who personally had criticized me, who are Christians in the church and not. I'm like, okay, Lord, I forgive them. Make me one with them. Like, I, my job is to make myself one with every single other Christian, period. And it's been my prayer for hundreds of people that have come to mind since then. That was six months ago and the birth of this, the Lord doing this work in me. It is a terrible thing that we judge each other. Proverbs 6 says this, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Other translations say, The seventh is an abomination. The word abomination in Hebrew is the strongest word for rejection. It's not just that God says, you can't come into my presence, but I will destroy you as well. Six things I hate, the seventh is detestable. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension amongst brothers. New King James says, one who sows discord amongst brethren. 
So stop criticizing and dividing. Stop criticizing Corey Asbury and Bill Johnson and Oral Roberts and Benny Hinn and Hillsong worship and Elevation worship and Dutch Sheets and Bethel worship and the and, and, and. It's an abomination to God. You notice the first six things are either things or actions. The seventh is the man. God says, I hate the man. I hate the person that does this, not just the action. It's stopping God in your life. Your own prayers are blocked because you've judged his servants. And it's arrogant to think that your opinion should even matter. Romans 14.4 says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You really think Jesus could save Joel Osteen? <laughs> if he can't, he can't save you. Satan is the accuser and the insinuator and the questioner. Jesus is the judge, and I better not be judging somebody Jesus has forgiven. Jesus said, I am able to make him stand. I'm the boss. The Bible says that the king is the Lord's servant. Donald Trump was God's servant, and you judged him. Joe Biden is God's servant. Some of you are judging him. I do not mean in any way that we cannot address issues. Let me be very clear. We can address political issues. We can oppose dictates from the governor or the president. We can deal with things in the family. In no way am I saying we're just not allowed to have thoughts or, or say what's right and wrong or sweep things under the rug. I mean, we stick to the issues and the debate, not the person. Romans 14 Continuing on to verses 10 and 13, but why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So then each of us shall all give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Jesus is going to figure it all out. He's the one responsible. He's the one with the authority. He's the one that's the judge. I'm not responsible for whether Dutch Sheets prophecies come true or not. I'm not responsible for whether Hillsong is a circus show of lights and smoke or whether it's actually a church. I don't care. I can't do anything about it. Jesus can. Because in all practicality, they don't answer to us. Seriously, you posting insulting memes about Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump doesn't accomplish anything except making you look like a fool, expressing your own opinion. Sharing a joke about Joel Osteen looking like Martin Short doesn't change his preaching. Watching YouTube videos that insult and mock and intentionally take Stephen Furtick or Bill Johnson out of context and make them look like a heretic, it doesn't do any good to them. It doesn't help the person who made the video, and it just makes you more self-righteous than you already are. Again, very clear. I'm not saying we can't address topics, issues, debate what is right and wrong in the church or in the government or in your family, but no personal insults or moral judgments or judgments of character, intent, these all-encompassing decisions about well, that preacher's a fraud. He's not even a Christian. Matthew 7, 1 to 5, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So even Jesus says, it's not wrong if you see a speck in your brother's eye. Just make sure you've gotten the board out of your own first. You can address what you see in other people. Just do it right and do it in the right order. We want to feel righteous by judging someone else's sin so that we don't have to deal with our own. I find repeatedly over the years that the most contentious people in the church, the most deceived people in the church, the most blaming and divisive and judgmental is because they have some undealt with sin in the bottom of their hearts, usually unforgiveness. Sometimes it's trauma. Um, sometimes it's just grotesque pride. But it's usually some wound that hasn't been dealt with and they don't want to forgive and they don't want to deal with it. So in order to just medicate that away, I'm just going to point out how everybody else is wrong rather than myself. Romans 2.1 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Some of you are going to have a lot of sand to eat on judgment day if you don't get rid of it now. Because you're judging family members and co-workers and your spouse and your ex and your parents and preachers and politicians. And this verse says, be very careful because the reason you, know, you notice other people's sin is because you do the same thing. Mostly we would say, no, no, the reason I notice their sin is because I'm not like that. It's not what this verse says. It says the reason you pick up on it, on your sister-in-law, is because it's yours. Perhaps you judged your parents before you became a parent. And then you realize how clueless we all are, and you make unintentional mistakes that you need your kids to forgive you for, so maybe you ought to give mom and dad the same grace. Perhaps you judged President Trump. I'd like to see you accomplish what he did while under that microscope of scrutiny that he was. I would like to see Bill Johnson's critics preach 5,000 sermons over 30 years and they're all on video and have some asinine critic nitpick their way through all that video and make a five-minute highlight reel of all the stupid or wrong things he said and say, here, he's a heretic. I'd like to see how you handled that. It's not fun living your life as public property. The arrogance of judging other people is truly sick. Another major reason Christians judge each other is for unbelief. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Paul says that natural mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit. So, I notice that there's not charismatics making mocking YouTube videos of Calvinists and Baptists. I'm not disputing the Calvinists and Baptists' real faith in Jesus, but by definition they are unspiritual Christians because they don't believe in the action of the Holy Spirit. And it's the natural people judging the spiritual people, just as this verse says. 
I hear a lot of criticism of Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation worship being shallow, but I don't hear them judging the hymns. The judgment just goes one way. I don't find that those people who believe in miracles and the Holy Spirit and baptism and healings, and I don't find them mocking the Baptists. I find them praying for them for a miracle, for healing and the baptism of the Spirit, and we want you to experience what we've experienced, and they're being patient and conversive and teaching, but I find a lot of insults and mocking and accusation lobbed toward us by the Christians who don't believe in the spiritual aspects of the New Testament. So I wonder which side is divisive, and I wonder which one is an abomination to God. Romans 14, 1 to 3, another reason we judge each other. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat anything, and another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the one who does, for God has accepted them both. God has accepted them both. In the New Testament times, there weren't butchers at the grocery store. There were, there were priests at the idol temple. And when they brought the lambs and the goats and the chickens to sacrifice to the idol, then the temple priests made their money by selling that at the grocery store. And the Christians had a problem, like, well, should we eat meat? Because it's been sacrificed to Athena over there or Zeus. And, and that, Paul says those are demons, and we don't want to have anything to do with that. So there was a debate over whether we should eat this meat. Some people are like, it's just meat. Paul says, an idol is nothing. Just eat the meat. And others are like, we're not supposed to eat meat sacrificed to idols. And there was this debate. Well, that's not our debate today. Today it's vaccines and masks. God has accepted them both. I don't mean that we don't oppose the governor or the president. I will oppose the president all the way to jail if I have to about a forced vaccine mandate. But I'm not going to post a picture of him as Trader Joe because it doesn't do any good. T-R-A-I-T-O-R. <laughs> On the Trader Joe's logo. Okay. Some of you have seen that. All right. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good to uh, debate the issue all you want, but it doesn't do any good to mock. And just understand that those of you who just went and got the shot and you're just like, well, that's what we're supposed to do, and it's right, and it's proven science, and all that. Let the rest of us have our opinion and our own bodily sovereignty. Those of you who are like, I know vaccines are poison, they cause autism, they're really dangerous, it's not going to prevent the disease anyway. Careful what you say about those who just follow along. I'm saying don't say that. Hello? God has accepted them both. But Mitch, are you saying that I can't know what I know about vaccines and masks? Are you saying I, I don't have a right to an opinion about Trump or Biden or Brown? Are you saying that I can't say that my crazy sister is causing drama and she needs to quit? What about Jesus' warnings of false prophets and false teachers in the church? There's a lot of them. And in the New Testament tells us to judge when someone prophesies. We're supposed to judge that and determine whether it's true or not. I mentioned I'm not allowed to think for myself. It's just I, I can't have an opinion because it's all sinful judgment. It's all foolishness. Well, let me answer that. 
What's the difference between you evaluating what's true and false and you just spouting off your foolish opinion or, or even sinfully dividing in your family or the church or at work? There is a difference. So in the New Testament, Jude spends his entire letter saying to the church that there are fake Christians in your midst. And not only are they fake Christians, they're demonized. And not only are they demonized, they're leading you astray, have nothing to do with them. Sounds awful judgmental to me. Jude's making a judgment. 2 Peter 2 is the same thing. Peter says, stay away from these fake Christians. He's making a judgment that they claim to be Christians, but they're not. But I just read you a whole lot of verses about not judging other Christians. Paul tells some churches, I know that when I leave, ferocious wolves are going to come in in Jesus' name and lead you astray. So why, if Paul and Peter and Jude can do it, why can't I say, well, you're asking me, why can't I say Kenneth Copeland is a false prophet or Joel Osteen is a false teacher? If I really think that, why, why can't I do that if they actually are, if you think that? Well, here's my answer. James 4, 11 to 12. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Who are you to judge one another? The answer to the question of, do I have, can I have an opinion? Can I have a thought? about this person or that in my family or at work or in the church? The answer is, who are you to judge? Because there's an answer to that question. Some people are judges. They're called judges. Some people have the authority to put other people in handcuffs. And the rest of us don't. Hello? The apostles had the authority to say, that's not real Christianity. And to tell the rest of us that it's not. The answer is, who are you to judge? Judges, sheriff's deputies, police officers, they have to make judgments all day long. Judges send people to prison. Police officers put people in handcuffs. They make judgments. And they are enforceable. Because when they're not behind the badge or behind the bench... They're just Mr. Bowen, Mr. Valentine, Mr. West, Mr. Connor. But when I got the badge on, I have enforceable authority. Hello? And I do say what is right and wrong because the state or the federal government has given this person as a representative authority. I have jurisdiction in this. And people who don't have authority, who... It would be really creepy if somebody went around sentencing people to life in prison and they weren't a judge. Hello? You know, there's people who impersonate police officers. At best, they're crazy. At worst, they're really creepy and dangerous. Right? The guys that get the light put on their car and pull over women in the dark late at night and they're not really a cop. That's really, really creepy and dangerous. Hear me. People who judge without authority are creepy and dangerous. But when they have authority, it's right. I'm asking the question, am I okay to have my own thought about Dutch Sheets or Bill Johnson or Benny Hinn or my sister-in-law or the boss? If you have authority, do you have an enforceable opinion? Do you have a right to judge. You can't judge your parents. 
or your boss or your teacher or the TV preachers because you don't have any authority there. And if you do, it's creepy and dangerous. The ones with authority can judge. Everybody else can't. So who are you to judge? Well, you do have some authority. You have 100% authority over your own mind and heart. You can decide, I don't like Joel Osteen, and I'm not going to listen to him. You can decide, I don't want to go to Bethel and visit. You can decide, I'm not going to like this politician or that, or I'm going to oppose this or that, or I'm not going to obey this or that. You have absolute sovereignty in your own mind and heart to obey your own conscience before God and decide whatever you want to decide. And that's about it. If you are a parent, you have authority over your kids. So, so it's not creepy or wrong at all for Josh and Stacy to say to their kids, okay, we don't like this preacher, so we're not going to read his book. Or, I don't, I, we, we don't listen to him because we don't trust him. That's not sinful judgment. That's not dividing the church. That's them teaching their kids what they believe is right and wrong. And you have authority in your own home. You're the king and queen. You, you have a right to your thoughts. You have a right to make evaluations. You just don't have a right to divide the family or the church or the workplace. So with yourself, your marriage, your children, um, you're totally sovereign. Add to that, for me, I have a church that I lead. I have some authority here, so it's not wrong for me to, tell, to warn you about this teaching or that or this person or that, because I'm your pastor. If I'm your pastor, I say with Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. So I say, don't listen to John MacArthur. What he teaches is wicked and dangerous and divisive. But I'm not saying that out on Facebook to the church at large because I don't have any authority there. See the difference? You don't have to obey me if you don't want to. But I'm telling you, he's dangerous. Don't listen to him. You know, a bunch of you are not, oh, I wonder why. I'll go check that out. <laughs> Just leave that alone. The shepherd directs the sheep. I have some authority to say that. This is all just immensely practical. Where's the authority for your opinion? Can you actually enforce it? If you don't have any enforcement, you're at best you're a fool or crazy, and at worst you're dangerous because you're judging people you don't have authority over. So it doesn't do any good. You're not accomplishing anything with your opinions um, about this politician or that preacher or your sibling or whatever. In your family, in your household, you have authority and you call the shots. Online, probably a total waste of time and actually unchristian to mock Trump or Biden or Osteen or Governor Brown. Again, you can debate what Governor Brown does all day long. Posting a meme that says, if it's brown, flush it down, does absolutely no good. It's just sitting in the seat of mockers. I didn't make that up. <laughs> Some of you haven't seen it. It's been around a long time. So I'm telling you, I'm explaining when it's okay. The answer is, who are you to judge? Some, in some places, you have a right to judge, and most you don't. God repeatedly commands you to honor your father. So here's just an immensely practical answer. If you know your political opinions vary from your dad's, and that when you talk, you get contentious and debating and hot under the collar, and you start raising your voice, and then be quiet. Honor your father. You don't have authority over him. 
If your dad is somebody that you can talk to and you genuinely want to know why he thinks what he thinks, where did you get that, and you know that he will listen to you, that isn't divisive. That's not foolish opinion. That's a real discussion. So have it. It's about relationship. It's about trust. It's honor. So Josh has every right to have his own doctrinal opinions or conclusions that differ from mine. And he has a few, not very many, but a few that we have differed on through the years. He has no right to come to youth group and teach that when he knows I disagree with it, except that he has. But he's come to me ahead of time and said, hey, I need to address this issue. I know you and I differ on that. How do I handle that? He trusts me. I trust him. I was like, Josh, you're totally right to have your own conclusions on this issue. The fact that you're asking me makes me trust you. I just go, you preach your sermon. You're not preaching my sermon. You're preaching yours. But I just ask that you fairly present my side too. And he has, as far as I know. He's sovereign in his own mind and heart, his own conscience before God, his own reading of the scripture. In church, he needs to follow what what I believe and not cause division, but I'm not a dictator, so he can preach his own sermon. Amen. If you want to judge that Bill Johnson or Dutch Sheets is somebody that you and your family are not going to listen to, you have every right to that. Make that decision. But if you go around telling other Christians that Bethel is demonic and the Dutch Sheets can't be trusted, you're detestable to God because you're dividing the church. You're trying to turn people away from them who they're actually ministering to. And here is what Bill Johnson and Benny Hinn and Dutch Sheets and all your local pastors actually think of all your ideas anyway. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 4. You ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring a light that is hidden. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of men's hearts. Paul says, I don't care what you think about me. I only care what Jesus thinks about me. I don't know of anything. Paul says, I don't know of any sin that I have not confessed and gotten clean before God, but that means nothing. All that matters is what Jesus thinks. That's a pretty bold statement. It's pretty amazing. Joel Osteen doesn't care what I think about him. (laughs) He doesn't know me. And if I could get his personal cell phone number and talk to him, he wouldn't care. And rightfully so. I'm not his boss. Jesus is. He answers to Jesus. And even he himself cannot justify himself. Only Jesus can. So it is so hard to hear criticism and to know what to consider and what to throw out. Because all pastors, whether the local church or the big guys on TV and the national authors and so on, everybody hears so much, not just criticism, but just opinion. It becomes static in the background. And like, I, I just have to know what Jesus wants. But in no way can I ignore what people tell me the Lord told them or about me or, or whatever, because 
Proverbs says over and over again, the fool hates correction. The fool, the fool won't listen to rebuke. I don't want to be that guy. So, uh, so I, I listen. I care what sane and mature Christians think. But at the same time, I don't answer to anybody but Jesus about the decisions that, that get made. I mean, in the natural, I answer to the board, and, but we together, we don't answer to anybody but Jesus. And, but, all, but if we're doing something that is wildly unpopular, then it's not Jesus. And we can't just say, well, we heard from God and you all are missing it. Which one? It's It's both. We have to listen to people, and we have to listen to the Lord and not care what people think. And, and likewise, likewise, people with your opinions. Like your, your, your mom is hearing from all the siblings. Can't, can't do what everybody wants. I just got to decide what's right. The boss is hearing from all the employees. Can't make everybody happy. Just got to do what's right. I've been told some excruciating things that I was pretty certain weren't true, but I still went and fell on my face in my office and begged God, like, if any, of that, if any part of that is true, please show me because I don't want to be that way. I don't think I am. I think that person's just upset with me and they're misunderstanding. But if I am, I need to know it. I don't want to be that. And it's, it really, really hurts. Paul says, even if I think I'm not, it doesn't matter. Only Jesus matters. Titus 3, 9 to 11. It says, Avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Reject a divisive man. Do not listen to gossip. Do not listen to division in the church or in your family or at work or in politics, do not listen. Have nothing to do with angry, critical people. That's not Jesus. That's Satan. The word Satan means accuser, insinuator. Leave it alone. Don't talk to those people. They'll just work you up in anger or fear or offense at the boss or your parents or your siblings or whatever. Last one. 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 26. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. You notice there, God tells us, don't avoid the topic. If you believe somebody's wrong, address it with them, but address it with humility and gentleness. Don't go and insult them. Address it with humility and gentleness. And the concern is not that you are right. The concern is their soul. And the concern is that God's will is done. So if you need to talk to your sister or your boss or your teacher or your pastor, go and talk to them. But with this, not insults and anger. And, and since you can't go talk to many Hen and Joel Osteen, just drop it. Drop it all. You have no authority there. You have no reason to be offended. You have no way to correct them if you think they need corrected. Uh, nothing. You're not saving anybody from deception by posting your memes. You're not going to correct Joe Biden. 
You can address the issues, but you're insulting him doesn't do any good. It's just judgment. It's just a fool expressing his opinion. Amen. Lord, we repent of judgment. We want nothing to do with the voice of the accuser. We want to be like Jesus, not the devil. Please forgive us for judging each other in our families and our exes, for judging each other in our churches, for judging each other in our politics, in our health care, all the stuff, just fools shouting at each other, quoting stats and Bible verses, bringing up the past and just fools. Lord, we want nothing to do with it. Please forgive us for judging your servants, for being afraid that somebody on the internet might be wrong, or that somebody in our family might be wrong. Lord, we give up all accusation, all charges and the pride in our own hearts that we know what's right and this other person doesn't. Lord, I pray that in your church you would make us one. Whatever you meant in John 17, I pray that you would make it come true. That every individual church, every individual believer would be one with each other. That every church congregation would be one with another. Lord, make us one with Somerville Baptist. Make us one with Elgin Assembly and Cove Baptist and Faith Center and Christ Church and The Way and Crossroads and First Baptist. Lord, make us one. Make us truly one. The world would not know us for our contentions, but for our supernatural unity, our blessing of each other. Lord, I pray that whatever is blocking us in our prayers because of our judgment of your servants, that you would bring it to our attention, that we can individually and even corporately, that we can repent and remove it because we do want to see your Holy Spirit move. We want revival. We want healings and miracles and Forgive us, Lord, for being so arrogant as to judge your servants like they were ours. Forgive us for thinking that our opinion matters beyond our own lives. We repent of gossip in the break room at work, complaining about the boss, complaining about the teacher or the coach or your parents or your kids. Forgive us, Lord. Our mouths run amok. We make ourselves fools. We want to be wise. We want to have the wisdom of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the graciousness of Jesus, knowing who we are, where we have authority to deal with something and where we don't. Lord, I pray that you would remove every impediment to our prayers for revival and healing and supernatural move of the Spirit in our church, in our valley, in our state. We start with this, Lord. We repent of judging your servants and your people, our brothers and sisters. We repent. Thank you for pointing this out, Lord. Amen.